listening to The Unlabeling Effect. We gather here every other week to explore all things mental health. Let us be part of your support system to inspire and motivate you to take care of your well-being. We, Vivian, Risha, and myself, Melody, welcome you to our UE community. Season 6, we have different valuable guests on The Unlabeling Effect to share their stories on mental wellness and tips to be more self-aware and emotional literate. In this episode, we're glad to have Bastian Gerber. He's not only a full-time engineer, he's also an artist and a certified TRX trainer. Honestly speaking, Bas is one of the most disciplined person I know. I genuinely think that he is very in touch with his emotions. We admire Bas' authenticity, the quality of being very driven, very fun, and very passionate about life. I'm your host, Melody, and with me here today are Bas, Risha, and Vivian. Hey. Hi! Hi, guys. Hey. Bas, how are we doing? We're good. Yes. We're good. We're blushing now. Yes. You like the <laughs> intro? It's a little too much, yeah. <laughs> So I actually get to know Bas through a friend, Daphne. Mm -hmm. It was on our birthday last year. And I was very shocked by how Daphne just introduced me to Bas and said, hey, my friend Bas is going to help out like um, on our birthday. I was like, wow, this guy is just so nice and generous, like with your time, with your effort to just, you know, help out. And I was like, okay, this guy is special because people don't usually just go out of their way to help someone at the first place. Oh, they expect something in return. Yeah, but it wasn't the case. Sharing is caring. Exactly. <laughs> you shared your kindness and your love to other people. So, Baz, tell us more about like when did you actually get into fitness, your wellness, your art, and everything? Because your full time job is an engineer. Something it's more Cartesian, yeah. It's very yeah. different. So, full time job is engineering project management for the airport. Yeah. So, my story I was a fat kid, I was bullied uh-huh. a lot. I was always watching my comrades having like nice snacks at 4 p.m. And I would have like an apple and a brick of milk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, how can they be like this, eating this? And then I just realized at the end of my teenage years, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if I don't do a drastic change, I'm not going to be happy for mm-hmm. more time. Wait, but what was the what was the trigger point of the like? Okay, like I had enough. I had enough people bullying me. You know that must have been one event or one trigger point. Be like, okay, I accumulation. And then you. I think this was the accumulation. At one point, I'm like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. Mm. When you're a fat kid in primary school or Mm. elementary, you are not ripped. Mm. But then when you grow up, and the guy that is lean, Mm -hmm. starting to have abs, obviously, and Mm -hmm. girls are like, oh my god, he has abs. (laughs) I'm like, oh damn, fat. Exactly. Okay, I need to do something. In parallel to this, Mm -hmm. I had to develop also certain kindness. If you are not nice, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. nobody's going to be friend with you, Mm. right? So that was the concept that you had as a kid. Yeah. That's why in the meantime, for all these years I was bullied, I was developing a way of being extremely nice to people because this is what I had to offer. Mm. How did you overcome from elementary school to when you're over 17 years old it's, it's quite a long time yeah usually when when you grow up on, on this you try to put this back mm-hmm. and just refrain from thinking about it mm. and at one point when you manage to overcome it and find this tipping point mm-hmm. without thinking about it you just erase it 
But now, like, do you embrace that experience that you have been bullied? And now you have both. You have your kind, <laughs> your good looking. You have everything. I grew up. I grew, you grew up. up. Nowadays, when people mm. are like, "Oh my God, he looks nice," I'm like, "Yeah, but please don't stop." At the facade, mm-hmm. because I have much more to offer. Yes, and 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 people around me that knows me, mm. they know me that okay, I'm yeah. somehow nice. Yeah, I'm really glad that you turned that anger or you know that that hatred from bully mm. to kindness. People could have all the resentment towards people mm. and stuff, but you turn it to offering more kindness to people. Yeah. I think that's a very beautiful trait. I had a loving family. Mm. I was lucky enough to have both parents and very loving. Mm. Um, so this helps a lot. Even though the the divorce when I was a teenager, yeah, I don't know if he had very much impact on this. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that people said about divorce family, as long as your parents are happy, yeah, that's not the point. Like mm. the point exactly. or the trigger or the trauma that kids have are when the parents are really unhappy. Mm. Yeah. When parents are happy, that doesn't really impact the kid that much. As long as they know there's love, there's care, there's True. support. True. It's also an understanding from the kids. Mm. If you see your parents fighting mm. day in day out, yeah, and you don't understand the reason why, mm. or they keep. And stick together mm-hmm. for the sake of the kids, mm. but they still keep on fighting. You can't understand. Yeah. So they're teaching you this behavior of, you know what? Okay, let's just for the sake of you guys. Mm. There's this kind of guilt trip feels from the kids because oh, because of me, they stick together and they fight every day. But I saw my parents splitting, mm-hmm. and I think in a month they were so much happier. Mm-hmm. And we would still meet all together for birthdays, for Christmas, for everything. Mm. So they were doing this for us. At every family celebration, they would still Thank come back. We would be the the five of us yeah. because I have two siblings, mm-hmm. and then that's it. That contributes like a big part to your childhood, right? And that's why when you're in transitioning, your mental health and your body, like as a whole, you had that support. So basically, this trigger then put me at 17. Mm. I subscribed to a gym. Mm. I was I was doing a lot of activities from before, like as a kid. I tried everything basketball rugby football mm. uh, tennis but never managed to just get into it because obviously other kids fitter than me mm. would still bully me mm. so even in rugby where you need to be a quite a big guy and I was big and tall yeah. I would smash them on the fucking grass sorry for the words <laughs> <laughs> because it was allowed yeah. so it was like oh my god I can do it to them <laughs> Okay, and then like guide us through the journey. So I started meal prepping, having okay. my own meals. No, but who taught you that? You like who introduced you ta- to that concept of the beautiful internet? Okay, so you yeah. actually you were actively looking yeah. for a solution. Yeah, I was looking to for something to fix. Mm. I remember the first months I did this. I had this weird feeling that my body physiology was changing mm. because I was not used to it. The cafeteria's food anymore. I started to see results and I remember I think it was for my 18th birthday for the first time of my life I had a six-pack and I was like oh, oh wow <laughs> I did it <laughs> so this is all these milestones that also guide you and help yeah. you to be like okay I start from point A yeah. and then maybe three months later you see some like drastic results yeah. But I think it's the commitment and the discipline. Mm. So many people, you know, on social media, even among friends, among like conversations, yeah. people always be like, "Okay, today is the day I'm gonna start making a change." But to actually see real life like examples 
I haven't seen you don't stop. that much. You don't stop. Yeah, the, the moment you incorporate it in your lifestyle. I've mm. seen many people on Instagram always putting like, back to it. Mm. Back to the gym. Mm. What do you mean? <laughs> like, you're back for two weeks, you're mm -hmm. back for one month, mm -hmm. and then you're going to stop again for three months. Mm. Yeah. The point is, I learn from very early mm -hmm. all these uh, beautiful things they say about it takes three weeks to form an habit mm -hmm. and then three months to make it a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And this is what I try to reach. Yeah. And every time I, some people ask me about advice on how they can stick to a routine, yeah. I tell them exactly the same. Yeah. If you manage to pass the first three weeks without failing, mm -hmm. then you will see results. Mm -hmm. And these results will motivate you to do another three weeks. And then more results coming. And the more you're going to stick into it, yeah. the more you're going to see that you depend on mm -hmm. this new habit that mm -hmm. you form. Is there anything that you do within the first three weeks that you actually say, okay, because there must be day that you would get up and be like, I really struggle. Like, you know, like, what do you do? To no motivation, yeah. Yeah, there must be days. I'm just being honest. At this point, so I'm 35 now, huh? so at this point, I've been training for like 15 years, roughly, yeah. a bit more than 15 years. Yeah. And as I'm not bulky, I'm not guy mm. going like for competition because mm. I don't take product. But because these kind of exercise mm. is now anchored into my brain mm -hmm. and it releases all these dopamines and mm -hmm. dwarfin and, and mm -hmm. so on so all th this is what triggers me now mm -hmm. because i need my daily dose of this well-being mm -hmm. when i train and mm -hmm. perform and and it's hard shit mm -hmm. and then when i'm done and i feel the rewards this is what i'm looking for mm. so it might yeah. sound sometimes a little weird yeah why do you think people stop though? I think the main reason is the reason why they started at the beginning is not legit for them. Mm. Either they started out of a trend mm -hmm. or they started out of uh, guilt. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. oh I, I drank a little too much for Christmas and New Year's Eve. Da, da, da. I'm going to do a one month dry jam. Mm. Right? And then, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. So, uh, mm. you know, gyms always registers record subscription in January. Mm -hmm. Because everybody is like, oh, you are new <laughs> yes. me, all right? <laughs> you are new me. me. Yeah. So this syndrome, yeah. and, and you see, in the first, the first two, three weeks in in January, mm. gyms yeah. are packed. People get this very quick fix. Somehow they feel a, a little healthier, and it's good for them. But then, because in their in their mind is anchored this lifestyle mm -hmm. of social and going out and and having a drink. Uh, how many times I hear people, oh my God, I had a terrible day, I need a drink, mm. right? You don't need a drink. Mm. You need something that soothes you. Mm -hmm. yeah. It can be a drink, it can be meditation, mm -hmm. it can be cooking, it can be chocolate, mm -hmm. it can be gym. So you choose what's going to be your poison. I, I love that saying because yeah. I think we were talking about it yesterday, that sometimes people associate like having a drink equals to, or having a cigarette mm? equals exactly. to stress release yeah. Mm. yeah but that's just how you trick your body to believe yeah you trick your neuroreceptors you mentioned about like wellness your wellness activities so what do you think what factors contribute to your wellness so for you i guess fitness is a huge part huge of part. it yeah and then fitness is a huge part because it's been with me for yeah mm. like now 17 years yeah and is that to do with your art interests as well is that like so it's different mm. so 25 mm -hmm. years old mm -hmm. i was i was dating this very beautiful girl that was dating another guy as well 
Mm. And then at one point she's like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna get married to him. So I'm like, okay. And then she keep on coming back and forth. I'm like, you know what? I, I took the step back and I'm like, you know what? You don't, you can't make up your mind. Ciao, mm. I'm gone. And then shortly after that, I moved from France to Dubai. Mm. I think after eight months living mm. there, I met a girl. Mm. And then we got engaged. Mm. And then we got married. Mm. And then um, for all these years of marriage, I was, as a good cancer, that's my astro sign, <laughs> I was just giving a lot. Giving a lot. Mm. Without like thinking about Taking, me yeah, or, 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 or being open to receiving too much. Mm-hmm. You forget yourself somehow, right? Mm. Because you are so busy trying to make the person happy, mm-hmm. which is legit in marriage. Yeah. You need to you need to commit to the person and yes. do your best to make them happy. Of course. If you forget yourself and mm. the other one mm. is not doing the exact same, your well-being depends on the happiness of the mm. other one. Mm. This is quite bad because, like, the more this tendency grow. Mm the more the other person find it normal. So the new norms is, you need to please me. And if you don't, I'm not happy. And mm-hmm. if she's not happy, I'm not happy. And I feel like shit because it's because mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. So this goes on for like six years. And then she did something bad. Mm-hmm. So I told her, okay, we're going to divorce. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm like, you know what? I don't want to try to fix things because mm-hmm. if you did it once, you're going to do it again. And I was not ready to take the risk. From this point onwards, I was a guy that was giving a lot mm. without anyone to give. My own pleasure, my own happiness was depending on I don't know what. Mm. For three months, I was a bit of a mess. So like with the, with the three months period, when yeah. you're trying to figure out like what the hell was going on. Oh, I killed myself in the gym. <laughs> Because I was going to say like, you know how you said you were a mess, but your definition oh. of a mess was like, I was, how did you... I was working and training. Okay. Walking so you, and training, that's it. Were you trying to distract yourself or, or avoid facing the emotions that you had? Or you were very clear with the emotions, but you didn't know how to channel that emotions into or that pain into something else? Our training was the only thing that would bring me joy mm. at the point. Mm. Like it was always triggering and, and mm. uh, like um, releasing endorphins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, because I can't have joy coming from someone else, then mm. it's going to be training in me mm. and myself. Because you mentioned about like your happiness. Consider mm-hmm. six years is not a short period of time. It's not. So de- having your happiness depending on someone and trying so hard with all kinds of love language to please someone in order to gain your own reassurance and your happiness. Mm-hmm. Like you've lost touch for six years. Yeah. How did you build that trust in yourself, that self-worth, that confidence? that belief that you decide how you can be happy like how did you move from that to having like a healthier mindset this part took more than three months yeah this part took like a couple of years i would say so this is basically the way of reinsuring myself Mm. so through the gym Mm. i was getting my fix of like short-term happiness Mm. because one training equal one dose of well-being mm. um, and then I walked a lot mm. I started my own business as well mm. uh, retailing a, a health supplement mm-hmm. so this was also keeping my mind busy and, mm. and seeing where to which level I can push it mm-hmm. so this was fulfilling me but as I was not social like I would not go out like my own friend were gone 
after this, it was basically uh, okay. It's it's me <laughs> and and few other friends that I know. But I mean, gonna wrench to her side, obviously. Have you ever figured out what made you believe that you needed to keep giving and giving in order for the relationship with your ex-wife to work? Honestly, not. Mm-hmm. It's it just became natural because this is I I've always been very giving mm-hmm. and this started when I was like kid and bullied mm-hmm. like to make it to make it because I was not looking nice I would be nice to people mm-hmm. so I would give mm-hmm. and and uh, it's so natural for you yeah as I said exactly I don't think about it on my birthday I was like this guy just offered to help on my birthday when I didn't know him I was like this is great because when you do that mm-hmm. you make people want to do that as well yeah mm-hmm. you're like the leader of people wanting to give more you get a lot of satisfaction from giving mm. without expecting anything in return mm. if you give to get something back you're gonna be disappointed yes. so you're gonna stop yes if you just keep on giving mm. eventually something is gonna come back because yeah. because law of attraction right yes. mm. do you think it's normal for people to always think like they want to get something out of you before even thinking of giving. And this I think is so in this wrong. society, it is always in reverse. Instead of like how you behave and how you act, which is something that's interesting to think about and to reflect. Yeah. And to reflect on, you know. But you were talking about um, earlier that you ha- you had the opportunity to sit on your own and actually process things within that process. I guess at the beginning you probably would feel uncomfortable not knowing what to do and then how did you process that alone time into okay I really enjoy being alone it was a bit of a force so two years after this Mm -hmm. was COVID Mm. so then it was self-isolation lockdown Mm. and in Dubai we had a three months continuous lockdown so basically, you had no choice not to go out, not to do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and while so many people were complaining about it, I'm like, you know what? Do I have the choice? No. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the same as I had after my divorce is, do I have the choice to be alone? Mm-hmm. No, because I don't want to be hurt by someone else mm-hmm. in this period of time so close to what happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the choice to be alone. Mm-hmm. So just embrace it. Yeah. And while you embrace it, you're gonna start learning about yourself mm. and you need to find either new hobbies or new activities to do so after the divorce it was baking so basically i started baking a lot and weirdly i don't know why i was only baking vegan stuff and i was my challenge was to manage to get the same texture and taste with vegan goods mm-hmm. than you can get with eggs and butter and all these nice stuff that makes obviously a cake nice yeah. So this was my challenge. And this continued also during the lockdown because I was home alone. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to just sit and watch Netflix and just like do this like stupid things. Yeah. So I was still training every day and I was baking. And I was, and I was trying like cheesecake and I would try like banana bread. Obviously, I would try um, uh, brioche and then make it like French toast kind. And, and it was fun. I had your, I had your, your stuff. <laughs> they are excellent but this <laughs> is the thing and, and this is my my focus when I want to start something mm-hmm. I have high 
very high OCDs. Mm. When I'm focusing on one thing, mm. I'm not gonna stop until mm. I manage to get something I can be proud of. I really admire your discipline and consistency. And it's not easy to have someone that's extremely consistent. And I, I, I want to figure out like how you track or how you push yourself to keep going. Very recently, there was this competition in Hong Kong, which mm-hmm. is the High Rocks yes. fitness race. Yeah. I think I registered in August mm-hmm. last year because I wanted to see how far I can go into the competition. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to register as a pro athlete because if I do the regular ones, I'm just going to push myself a little. Mm-hmm. If I do pro, which is basically heavier weight, heavier load, then I'm gonna really see how hard I can push my training yeah. and how hard I can go in the competition. And all of this depends on your mindset. Yes. It doesn't depend on how big you are, how strong you are, mm. uh, how endurance or athletic. Mm. It's really the mindset because this competition, is, it breaks you. Mm-hmm. Honestly speaking, it's, it's hard. Mm. But what mindset you had on the day of the competition that really, I think from recalling my memory, you actually performed better than you expected right mm-hmm. when you're like yeah. on the day like yeah. what was in your mind what was the mindset you had you need to finish it mm. and i i was basically i was not allowing myself to walk mm. so the competition the format is very specific you have a total of eight kilometer running mm. and it's split in eight times one so you start with one kilometer running and then you have mm. eight workouts right after each kilometer right and all the workouts are from um, ski erg or rowing machine or um, farmer carry with kettlebells or lunges with a bag of sand on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. What else you have? Sled push, sled pull, all mm-hmm. of this kind of... Uh, it's quite street workout oriented. Yeah. And basically, after the third workout, you're knackered already because it demands your back strength, your leg strength, and the weight are quite heavy. We're talking like pushing a sled with 205 kilos. So you push for 50 meters, mm-hmm. something that weighs 205 kilos. And the one right after is you pull for 50 meters, something that is 175 kilos, you pull. Yeah. So after this, your legs are like jello. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna walk. You have the, the format of the race, you have all the workout areas, mm. and then you have a running track. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I will walk up to the exit of the workout area but when the moment i hit the running track i run are you allowed to walk you are okay yeah you are allowed to. it's walk. like you take your time but then oh. i think what you it's wanted a, it's was a time competition yeah mm. so the better you perform and the yeah. better you place at the end and it's a competition that everyone just do their own thing right but then you are competing with your own time yeah. is that how it is yeah. the, the concept i mean at the end of the day you're still competing with everyone else mm. because you have the ranking at the end mm. right so we are like 31 at least mm. in the pro mm. and most of them were either personal trainers yeah. crossfitters uh Engineers. in the fitness industry <laughs> and, and and one dude here <laughs> a friend of mine uh, is a restaurant and chef restaurant wow. owner and chef and he was also there and but you're at the league that you like the in the pro the division pro, yeah. yeah 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 wow um that leads me to boundaries i think that you mentioned a couple of things that you said i would not allow myself mm-hmm. to do certain yeah. things you were setting boundaries for yourself to in order to hit certain outcome right correct so what was the boundaries that you would say you have in life that you constantly that could never be changed in order to get 
yourself to where you are right now? That's a good one. Um, I don't give myself more than five minutes to have self-pity. If, if I feel sad, if I feel like shit, it happens. I give myself five minutes okay. and then I'm like, you need to move on. I don't know how I developed this, but I, I trained my brain to switch. And, and this is also a problem because it means like you refrain emotions, right? Mm. So you push your feelings away mm. because you don't want them to overpower your thought. Mm. It's good when it's about negative thoughts, but mm. sometimes it's bad because yeah. you are so used to do that and, and tame a bit what you feel mm. that even with positive feelings mm. yeah. during the positive force period what were your emotions when you have to you were forced to sit with your emotions how can i change these negative energies to positive ones how did i manage to push these emotions away which are quite sad is if i am sad and if i want to force myself being sad mm -hmm. i'm not gonna get out of it ever mm -hmm. I'm always gonna feel this inside. Mm. If I choose to be positive and take a lesson from it mm -hmm. and take this learning and say, okay, you know what? It happened, yeah. yeah. Can I change it? No. Mm. And I can choose to take it positively for the future, yeah. not make the same mistake, meaning not give only without receiving from a partner. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I, I just decided I don't want to be sad about it anymore. Mm. Mm. It's all about choice. Right? It's it's it's, it's choice. your own. It's your own, and yeah. it's how your mind is strong enough mm. to be able to to let's say compartment this and mm. say, okay, this is from the past. Hopefully, in the future, I meet someone even better than this. Mm. And if it happened, it may be a sign that it was not the right one, mm. or she was the right one for these six years of my life. Mm -hmm. And from this point, I grew to this point. Yeah. And then this is done. Now yeah. I need to wait, reset, focus on myself. And eventually I will meet someone that from this new point will bring me to this new point yeah. and, and grow again. Mm, love That's that. a great mindset. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's hard to put into place. Mm. I was single for four years. Mm. But you, ch you chose to. You not. chose to. You, yeah. Because you don't want... At the beginning, I didn't want to be hurt anymore. Mm. And then... From this point, I went to, I don't know if I want to trust people. Mm. But in the meantime, you, I, I learned how to love myself. Mm. I want to share like some contents or inspirations with our audience how important self-love is. Because, for example, I was talking to my partner the other day. Um, he thinks the other way. Mm -hmm. He thinks his happiness is from giving mm -hmm. other people. When other people are happy, he's happy. And he thinks that... I, he could not like love himself first and I wonder why do people really struggle to put themselves first you know like for example saying no to other people because I need to take care of myself first in order to give more that's true I think I kind of have that problem too as I said in earlier episode mm. I have the feeling of guilt when I receive love mm. but when I give love I just it just brings me joy mm. when I see that my giving is actually bringing the smile onto his or her face. When they do it to me, I just have a dose of guilt in there, mm. and which I cannot explain. But do you feel like you, you're giving the best version of yourself knowing that you're struggling inside? Mm. Like when you're exhausted, physically, mentally, could you still give as much 
or would you feel tired after giving? Hmm. I think this is really interesting because yeah. I'm and, so struggling. And a point that I picked up from your answer. Yeah. You put into comparison you giving mm. or you receiving, mm. right? So you feel great giving to people, but you feel a bit weird receiving yeah. love. I do feel exactly the same, but safe love is slightly different. Mm. It's you giving to yourself. Mm. So you are very comfortable giving to people, mm. but when you try giving to yourself, it's different from receiving from others. Mm. I feel like a fraud and it's weird for me when I get gifts or when I, people like tell me nice things and mm. I, it makes me feel weird. Okay. <laughs> exactly. but, but the self-love part is more being proud of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And to be proud of what you're doing, it means that you have put everything you have within mm-hmm. into action for the goal that you want to achieve. If you know that you give you everything, then you are proud. And and pride of yourself is self-love, right? Mm. We've known Rita for a long time. And you do sometimes would have to give up something of yourself in order to satisfy others. Mm. That's a reflection of your self-love priority, mm-hmm. I yeah, guess. You prioritize so. other people's happiness before yourself. Exactly. You know? But then that brings me joy as well. That's why it's a tug of war. Mm. If I didn't like help someone out, even mm. I really want some alone time, mm-hmm. I would feel guilty mm. if I didn't choose him or her mm. first. If I did it, even I exhausted myself. Mm. I felt I did my part, my duty as a friend. Mm. And that just brings me joy. Mm. So that's why it's a constant tug of war in choosing. And I wonder if like setting certain boundaries, like soft boundaries. Mm. The problem is then if you get overwhelmed by the feeling of guilt, mm. it's going to bring more sadness than positive back mm. to the mm. to your own self. Yeah. But Baz, if we were to go back in time, like, would you have handled your emotional journey, your growth journey differently? From a kid being bullied to transforming your body and your mind to then being hurt in a marriage and then recovering from it, discovering your own self. Like, would you have dealt with the whole process differently? No. Nothing? No, absolutely not. Beautiful journey. Uh, All the pain pain I had Mm. brought me where I am now. Mm. And and basically, I've, I I only wish I would have would be to stop giving so much importance to what people think. Mm. What they would say or what they would think of you mm. might be extremely temporary. Mm. It depends on the moment, yeah. right? Mm. You should not put this much importance if you know your true self is better than what, what they- image they have from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part of self-love. How much do you block out like other people's opinion? Because when Mel mentioned setting soft boundaries, to find that pie chart yeah. is very difficult. Mm. Especially when you have to learn to say no to family members just to keep yourself sane. I always like to say, like, treat it as an experiment. Say no and see how you feel. Because mm. that guilt might be very short term. Yeah. But maybe after saying no five times or six times, mm. you start to feel better. Mm. Yeah. And you have more energy and mm. you give more. Mm. Um, but there's an interesting mm. point that I want to uh, ask Bass is Mel mentioned like, but people nowadays, they won't give until they receive something Correct. first. Mm. And then you said it was wrong, right? It's extremely yeah. wrong to expect people to, to give. give. Yes. Yeah. I just wonder, 
the reason why it became a norm is that people are so guarded. Yeah. Like they are afraid of getting hurt. That's why they don't want to make the first step. Mm. They want to test the water. Ah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So and, and and this is what prevents them. Yeah. And this is the way I was just after divorce and for the four years, I was preventing myself from being hurt again. Mm-hmm. So you just want to ensure you're gonna be in your safe space. Mm. But how big is your safe space, mm. right? Mm. It's a nice bubble. Mm. You control it. You manage it. But you're not letting people coming in mm. that would bring you something. Yeah. And I mean, we are all human beings, so we also need interaction with mm. each other. Mm. To me, it's more about learning how to build not a defense mechanism, mm. but how much you can get hurt and still stand up, mm. or how much you are able to get hit and and be like, you know what, I don't care. That's how many bullets can you take exactly <laughs> i like that like yeah. i've never thought about that actually it's like preparing myself how resilience i can go or how much of a safety net how deep is my safety net to mm. protect myself exactly. i can be hurt but i can bounce back yeah and again you can open yourself <laughs> mind-blowing i like that saying and and the point is without self-love yeah how do you experience how you quantify the love you give mm. to people if you don't allow yourself to have this at least self-esteem yep. that you feel confident and yeah. builds you like a person, how can you say, oh, I love you? Mm. To, to, to what extent? Mm. Is there anything in a society that you think is worth people thinking to unlabel? Yeah. Briefly spoke about just before is mm. stop giving so much importance mm. to what people will think mm. of you. Mm. It can be after meeting you mm. it can be knowing you for a long time mm. when you put too much importance into this mm. it's gonna affect your well-being mm. it's gonna affect the way you perceive yourself mm. right maybe the other person had a bad day mm. maybe their reaction was disproportionate mm-hmm. maybe you had a bad day what you did was disproportionate mm-hmm. um, so if you really like the person mm-hmm. and you feel a bit guilty or you, you're like, oh my God, no, he thinks this of me. Mm-hmm. Then I would say the only thing to do is go forward, mm-hmm. communicate, tell them. Well, I've actually learned so much and I'm sure yeah. you too as well from Bass. Mm-hmm. A lot of wisdom, a lot of sharing, a lot of experiences, a lot of mindsets. I think the main like takeaway is I've learned from you is really every experiences or every thing every scenarios that you've encountered they were telling you something mm-hmm. and you had to accept and embrace them and as you said and as bass said you had the choice to see it as a positive or a negative thing if you think at that point is a negative thing you have the control to turn the outcome to become a positive outcome yeah. and that's all for today's episode on mental health stories when sharing really is caring featuring Bastian Gerber. Join us again next time when we invite more great minds to be our guests and share their unique journeys. Thank you for tuning in and let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Unlabeling Effect. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes and give us a rating. Until then, dare to feel, dare to be real.